Chandra. I'm Sin, and this is Things That Go Bump, a podcast about the things that scare us. And today we are going to be talking about haunted houses is kind of where I want this the focus of this episode to be. But like yeah. we'll do a bunch of episodes on ghosts and this is like yeah, kind of our things. first one. Though yeah. towards the end I'm imagining because like I love haunted houses. I live in a haunted house, you know. I I eat this shit up. And there's a specific kind of haunted house that I want to talk about that has nothing to do with ghosts. Okay. Eventually. <laughs> and I think that that'll make it its way into this episode. But yeah, it's exciting. So a, a thing that, that like I think inhibits our ability to really talk about ghosts super well is that, again, it's one of those things that is completely ubiquitous to all cultures, right? And yeah. it takes a bunch of different sorts of forms, right? Like you have... And, like, what they even are kind of changes depending on who you talk to. Like, you got Japanese yokai, which are, like, qualitatively different than, like, the sort of Victorian idea of the these right. dead, uh, dead people who hang out in, in your home and, and fuck around with you while you're not looking and stuff like that. And Which, honestly, realistically, is what I would yeah, do. Yeah, honestly. Like, there, <laughs> there have been some, some instances of, like... Uh, spiritualists committing suicide just to the, that end, sort of. Like, I, I'm i going to prove that this is real. Okay. So I'm going to kill myself, and then I'll come come back and hang out as a ghost. I mean, teach his yeah, own, I guess. I guess. Do you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do yeah. me. And, you know, you got accounts going back to, like, you know, ancient Greece with, uh, and probably even further back. I... Yeah, I found Mesopotamia. Yeah, yeah definitely. The, like the oldest ghost story. Yeah, in terms of ghost stories, definitely. Yeah, and and um, yeah. even like you know, uh, there there's some stuff in the Bible about like what to do when yeah. a house is infected <laughs> with something and things like that. You know, the good old Bible, <laughs> keeping it creepy. Yeah, yeah, as usual. And you know, th- there's sort of like a a parallel that can be drawn between ghosts and more malevolent things like demons and stuff like that um when, right. when i talk about ghosts i usually think of them as being kind of like benign to fine right like they they usually want something they usually have some kind of drive the thing that is particularly interesting to me about haunted houses specifically is how personal they are you know oh yeah and there's a sort of um again going back to our episode about vampires where we sort of created a distinction between like literary vampires and folkloric right. vampires. There's a difference when we're talking about haunted house stuff between what we might call like literary haunt- haunted houses. Like more modern media yeah. stuff. Not even modern media. I mean like when we're talking about it in writing versus when we're talking about oral gotcha. accounts versus seeing it of or... people who have existed yeah. in haunted houses, you know? Because, you know... We all sort of know, especially when it comes to the American haunted house, which is sort of like yeah. where my focus in thinking about this was. There is. I mean, an... America has so much like terrible stuff that's happened yeah. here, so it's hard to think that there's a single house that is not haunted. Yeah. To be honest, when when I talk about my spooky thing of the week, we'll talk about that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but in a in a different sort of sideways sort of way. So. Haunted houses kind of come about because there is a kind of um, 
material memory that like we sort of think exists right like when right. once a once a space has history then there will be echoes of that history that make its way into the the modern incarnation of whatever that thing is houses are while not eternal they are sort of symbol there are houses that are like passed down from from family to family right and sometimes you know you have this space that, I wonder what that's yeah, like. that exists within <laughs> within your family forever but sometimes people move in yeah. and out of it right and lots of history and memory and etc gets engraved ingrained into the walls of the space that you exist in right sometimes literally yeah yeah definitely and it bears those scars right like that that idea of like there is a materiality to history kind of exists in a bunch of different sort of like thought systems and, and things like that right like when you when there is a place where a particularly bad atrocity has happened there is a kind of oppressive atmosphere to it right right the American haunted house story, though, kind of comes out of the Gothic tradition, right? Where in Europe, there's like castles and and things. And yeah, we, we don't, don't really, really have, have those. <laughs> Instead, we don't have yeah. like nine hundred year old buildings. Yeah, yeah, we don't. Yeah, we don't even have like hundred year old buildings for the most part, right? Yeah, but we have lots of big mansions and stuff like that, and those are places that that like again ideas around ghosts and stuff like that kind of begin to latch onto. One of the things that I think separates haunted house stories specifically from other sorts of ghost stories is what this author that I was reading named uh, Carol Littman describes as, quote, the domestic uncanny, which is like... Ooh, I like yeah. that. Yeah. It's, it's a cool book. Uh, shout out to this book, Cohabiting with Ghosts, that I was reading, which is just basically a bunch of oral accounts of people who live in haunted houses. And a lot, uh, a lot of the sort of, we, we should come up with a, a word for it, but like the non-literary sort of like, you know, oral traditions around existing in a haunted house. Yeah, or, I feel like yeah, that's a good way yeah. of saying like, it. Oral but it, it's not really like an oral tradition, like oral accounts, I guess, of, of existing right. in, in haunted houses. Most of the time, they're, you know, pretty benign. You know, like, ghosts just kind of, like, hang yeah. out and, just and like, do weird stuff when you're not looking. Yeah. For a second, I was about to say, just living their best lives. Yeah. Functionally. <laughs> but they're not yeah. alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, never mind. Yeah. Living their best deaths. Yeah. I, I mean, what is what is a life in that sort of sense, you know? <laughs> That's a whole yeah. other episode. Yeah. <laughs> One of the um, the accounts in that book was, was this this boy who said that the ghost from of his grandmother just kind of like lightly smacked him when he forgot to turn off Ugh. the television. Kids are so fucking creepy and in tune with everything yeah. happening in the world that adults have like rationalized their way out of. Yeah, ghosts it, when inhabiting a sort of domestic space also like do a few things, right? Like there are a few different signifiers that that ghosts usually like kind of behaviorally do right there there are they make weird smells happen they sometimes move things around sometimes throw things around but that's like kind of rarer right like yeah um like there have been accounts like that's more poltergeisty yeah. i mean poltergeists generally are kind of domestic spirits right it's almost like their medium is the house rather than like 
there. Right. Ghosts yeah. are ghosts generally yeah. are dead people. Yeah. Poltergeists aren't dead people. Yeah. They're just like angry. A spirit yeah. that exists yeah. from something. And they're less ontologically linked with the house in question, right? Yeah. Like they when we talk about kind of like ghosts of dead people, usually they have some kind of connection to the space that they're existing in, right? right. Um, to the space, to, to the person, to, the family. to an object, yeah. Yeah. to some yeah. something. Yeah, like I, I have a ghost of a cat that's been haunting me for years. I, I feel like we could kind of divide ghosts kind of cleanly into a few different categories when it comes to the ways that they behave. And there, there are like those that are kind of do some sort of like material thing, right? Like they throw shit around, they, you know, your poltergeist, your kobolds, stuff like that. Yeah. And then there are those that are just, like, kind of more ephemeral and aberrant, right? Like, they're, they're like, usually act through knowledge rather than physical material consequence, kind of, right? A reason why there there is less kind of, like, overriding lore, I think, for, like, how ghosts function and stuff like that compared to some other sorts of, like, horror monster-type things is because they're extremely personal, right? They're bound yeah. to a space. Well, they were persons. Yeah, yeah they were persons. <laughs> I mean, but so were vampires, right? Um, and you see less... True. Less, not none, fewer sorts of like, oh, this is who this was, and this is why right. they're doing the things that they're doing. That's more new, yeah. like in Buffy and stuff, yeah. to show their backstories, yeah, but that's yeah. pretty recent. But yeah, like ghosts were people, most of them anyway, right? Like if we talk about... Um, like, there's this one really interesting kind of yokai that wasn't a person, but was an object that was neglected, you know? I neglect a lot of objects. Yeah, you might... That's not yeah, right. Yeah, you, you're, uh... <laughs> I have so much stuff. Yeah, yeah, honestly, same. And it is through sort of, like, that lens, right, that, that we can start building really interesting fiction. Ghosts, I right. think, are maybe the most, like, tinged with metaphor sort of yeah. these things, right? Like, you... I agree. In order to have any kind of story about a haunting, like, your ghost means something, whether you mean it to or yeah. not, right? Which is, like, super cool and lets us do, as, like, writers and creators of horror things, like, lets us do a lot of really interesting stuff. Probably my favorite is is this idea, and for the rest of this episode, it's, we, because of these the the sort of, obviously, like, ad, because of, of how ghosts sort of operate and stuff like that, it, the, that break between folklore and fiction isn't less clean but yeah like my my one of my favorite sorts of haunting story i guess i'll say is the the idea of like and this is like really modern but also not like you sort of begin to see that the the building blocks of, of this sort of story in the fall of the house of usher poe's novella and like shirley jackson's um haunting of hill house which is a great story if you haven't read it you should definitely read it which is this sort of like what i call architectural horror where it is not that the space is haunted by anything but the space itself is sentient and yeah. is trying to destroy the inhabitants or something like that the you know even the the title it's like the shining type stuff yeah definitely the shining type stuff and like house of leaves also you read that i haven't finished it yet but it's a thousand percent my shit you know i do believe in ghosts i guess you know i uh but i don't think that science is the best 
or like the way that like ghost hunter science like is the, the right. best way of like right. rationalizing a lot of that stuff but i did find an like a journal article from the 1800s or so in the journal science which is a pretty prestigious scientific journal yeah. at this point you know about like we don't know what haunted houses are so if you live in a haunted <laughs> house here's some survey questions i guess that you can yeah. answer and write to us about <laughs> um yeah. so yeah like i mean that's yeah, science yeah. qualitative yeah no no i like but it's interesting that like that idea of yeah. like what is going on has existed kind yeah. of forever you know or like yeah. um you know there have always been sort of like people trying to rationalize what what phenomena are and like ghosts and right. demons and shit like that are are a good way of, of i mean yeah that. that's the entire yeah. reason like any religions came to be yeah. there are these things that people couldn't explain so they were like ah some dude in the sky did it yeah or multiple yeah. people in yeah. the sky did it um and then as science became more of a thing religion took a deep dive yeah <laughs> fortunately slash unfortunately yeah the Entry point to haunted house stories that particularly like like get inside me and stuff like that is is when we use it as a metaphor for both like personal and interpersonal things as well as societal things, right? Like we The Haunting of Hill House, the book, which was published in like nineteen fifty-nine, was in large part about like feelings of being trapped in kind of traditional gender roles and yeah the 50s was real good at yeah, that it sure was and as a result the geography of the book changes and forces people into places where they don't expect themselves to be and stuff like that right. like the the geography of the actual space that they inhabit and again this is kind of like my favorite kind of haunted house which is where the the you know the walls change the if there are staircases, yeah, move. staircases move staircases go to nowhere you know like the yeah. if you think about, about like the winchester mystery house or something like that like that, oh i want to go yeah, there so same. badly uh, <laughs> could take a, a podcast trip yeah <laughs> record from the yeah. house and and because you can use space as a huge powerful vessel for narrative to exist in right um the shining also is another great example of that where like that book is and it's very way more obvious what that book is about at its core um i'll talk about the book and the movie kind of in parallel because they're very different from each other you know but like the shining is the book is a very explicit about its being about alcoholism right and uh has in some ways, less of that sort of walls moving and, and things getting screwy in that sort of way than, than the movie does because of the way it was shot, kind of. It, there's some things that it, yeah. it, it's really difficult to do in written fiction that it's way easier to do in a visual medium. So, like, it was almost entirely shot on, on an 18-millimeter lens, and it creates this, like, huge, like, compression of space that creates wide parallax in the background. And the the characters are very small in the spaces that they inhabit you know shout outs to super eyepatch wolf's uh really good video essay uh why the shining is terrifying for for some of that the the more modern versions of this kind of 
come out of both the gothic tradition as well as like the cosmic horror tradition i think where like for instance house of leaves is about a person who buys a house and realizes i'm not going to get into too many spoilers because it's relatively recent that it is uh one room is slightly larger on the inside than it is on the outside um like the tardis yeah but like not not really because it's like a quarter of an inch you know something that like seems Hmm. plausible right um and cosmic horror is like the the most interesting to me anyway cosmic horror deals with the intersections of like mundanity and yeah like twilight zone stuff yeah i fucking love the twilight zone i love it and the supernatural or the the paranatural or you know whatever whatever else exists outside of our walls of perception i find or i feel that the kind of uh apotheosis of this sort of haunted house is found in i'm going to spoilers for later because i'm going to talk about it a bunch later but um kitty horror shows anatomy which is a game that i played recently i mean i played before but i did a replay of it recently because it very much fits my sensibilities about how to think about haunted houses again there's meaning etched in the walls of the places that we inhabit and that game basically asks what happens when a house is left to sit probably nothing good (laughs) (laughs) that's my guess yeah and we sort of see the progression of, of haunted house stories be from sort of more tangible, immediate threats to think of things like poltergeist and, and et cetera, to kind of more ephemeral cosmic psychological threats. Even though like that, the the idea of the unreliable narrator, which I assume that we're, you're going to get into more, yeah, has its roots in the bones of, of this sort of story because like ghosts are something that you can point at anything and be like that's a ghost you know yeah and like as far as science goes now no yeah. one can really prove you wrong yeah. yeah yeah no one can prove you right no one can prove you wrong you know it, yeah. it's kind of a, a a deadlock that's schrodinger's ghost yeah. that's why i think that like you know, doing, like, EMF readings and stuff like that is not the best way to, like, kind of, yeah. quote-unquote, prove that ghosts exist. Spirit boxes and yeah. stuff, yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about it? Uh, yeah. So, I found the first ghost movie about, like, a haunted space. is The Haunted Castle in 1896, which is a very, very long time yeah. ago. Yeah. Um, so, I, I watched it. It's short. It's, like, you know, movies back then took, like, 70 years to make, so they were all, like, a minute long. But it and then there was like, like the the rare one that was like four hours long or something like that. You yeah, know? it's like they um, either went one way or the other. Yeah. So the haunted castle to me didn't really read as like a haunting or ghost movie. Most of it was just like spooky stuff, like just weird shit happening in like spooky costumes. Yeah. If anybody listening wants to watch, it's very short. You can watch it on YouTube. It's just a few minutes long. But like everything I looked at was like, yeah, this is the first like haunted house ghost hunting thing movie and i was like is it though (laughs) i feel like i don't know um i know that movie technology was not great in 1896 but as we like move into ghost movies and like having visual representations there are 
kind of like, for lack of a better word, powers that ghosts have, like abilities that they can do that the average human being who is alive cannot do. So there are some that are present in most ghost narratives, like moving through walls and stuff like that. And that just some people think that the reason why ghosts can walk through walls is because they are following the like architecture of the building when they died and architecture and buildings changes and stuff like that. Or like if a building is like torn down and then rebuilt, they're following the old construction. So walking through where the hallway would have been, um, which is interesting. Um, for the most part, some sort of like invisibility or like translucence in some way. If you can see them, it's rare that they're opaque. Um, they're usually that like bluish, whitish, grayish color and like very wiggly. Yeah. <laughs> Though, in like, the air. again, uh, accounts of ghosts like differ in that respect a lot. I've, I thought, right. like, a lot of the time they are just completely invisible and like, right. You know, alert you to their presence by like sounds or smells or whatever. Right. But more often I've seen people say that there's a ghost there when it's like, a almost like a, an anti-light sort of where it's like like a void in the shape of someone kind of obviously people see all sorts of variations yeah. but the most common like movie yeah. portrayal yeah. tv show portrayal tends to be that they have control over like air and wind sometimes Shape-shifting is a thing that happens. It's not like super, super common, but there are a decent amount of ghosts that can like shape-shift. There's this concept of like the dreamwalker ghosts, like the Christmas Carol ghosts who like come to you in your dream and show you how much of an asshole you are. So, there's also this weird line of possession where like some possessions are ghosts possessing you and some possessions are like demons or some sort of like negative, I don't know, pseudo-religious concepts like demons. But there is very much this idea of like a ghost jumping inside of your body and controlling you, which I'm very interested yeah. in. There are the like traditional, like if, if somebody, if you ask the average person on the street, if you family feud the world and say, what do you think a ghost looks like? Most of the time they're floating and they don't necessarily have legs. They like sometimes taper off into like a weird tail thing, like Danny Phantom. But like a lot of the time they're floating or flying in some way. Um, they're not beholden to gravity or the other laws of physics that humans are. They can move objects around. They can move people around. Sometimes they can like push you. Um, sometimes they can touch you. Sometimes if you touch them, you'll just go right through them. It varies. There's also the no reflection or shadow thing that we see in the other types of revenants, like vampires that we talked about. And then also just like, in the one movie, there's ectoplasm, um, yeah. which, <laughs> which I think is interesting. Yeah, and it's interesting that it is, like, in the one movie, since, like, ectoplasm was, like, a contentious topic among, like, spiritualists and stuff like that. They right, like, but it, like, yeah. really doesn't exist in yeah. many movies. Yeah. Like, and, pe ghost people were just like, we're not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, I, which, like, is weird. Just, like, there's some corn syrup around, and you got it, you know? Yeah, Like, it seems like the easiest special Like, you don't, even, you don't even need, like computer special effects for that at all but yeah so those are kind of like the general like quote-unquote powers abilities that ghosts can have and then I kind of tried to find out how a lot of those things could be explained for those of us who are agnostic about whether we believe in ghosts <laughs> um <laughs> for the record I know like when you're talking about ghosts people always want to know where you stand for the record my opinion on ghosts is 
I don't think I believe in them, but I could, I'm not so arrogant as to believe I know everything and I could be wrong. So I'm not going to fuck with them. Yeah. I, cause I don't know everything. Yeah. I, I find that, I don't know. I, I'm not gonna say like anyone who asks that question bores me. Cause like, I haven't met everyone. That asks that <laughs> question, it's like, like who cares? Like it's a boring yeah. question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I know that like so many people need to know the answer yeah. and it's like, all right, that's my answer. Yeah. I don't pretend like I know everything in the world. Yeah. So some science. So there's this weird thing that happens with sound, especially when it's in low frequencies. So humans can't really hear much below 20 Hertz. That's just like our limitation, but there have been some studies apparently hearing sounds right around 17 Hertz. We can't consciously detect it. Like we don't know that we're hearing it. We don't know that it's happening, but it gives us this deep feeling of nervousness that we can't identify. It also fucks with our vitreous humor. Like it, it can make you see stuff because your eyeball, the inside of your eyeballs are vibrating. Yeah. So we don't know that it's because of a sound because our, like our brains can't perceive that a sound is happening. Mm-hmm. But there's some incredible feeling of nervousness that happens or like being unsettled and everything gives off sound. Any autistic people listening mm-hmm. will understand better than anyone. Yeah. Everything makes sound. Um, whether or not other people can hear it doesn't mean it's not happening. But anyway, yeah, so there's this like houses, pipes, whatever, things might be giving off a sound around that frequency that make us, whenever people say like, you know, you walk into a haunted house and you get this really like uncomfortable, nervous feeling, that might be a component. Also, when it comes to seeing things and like neurological symptoms like hallucinations, a lot of haunted houses, at least in America where we live, are associated with like older houses that have had more people pass through, obviously, over Mm -hmm. time. And old houses tend to have a lot more mold than a brand new place. And there are lots of types of mold that create hallucinations, dementia, delirium, a bunch of neurological symptoms, especially if you're already primed to think of the house as haunted. If you're already, like, creeped out by your old house and you think it's potentially haunted, if you're going to have any delusions, or rather hallucinations your brain is going to follow what information you already have. So if you think it's haunted, that's the type of hallucinations you're going to see. Yeah, that's a big component is that like, you know, human brains are kind of designed to find patterns. So like once, once we think that something is happening, then we. Yeah. Confirmation bias. You seek out things that, that yeah, confirm your bias. Also carbon monoxide poisoning, auditory hallucinations, visual hallucinations, and that feeling of dread again. And older houses, again, are less likely to have carbon monoxide sensors that are great or functioning or at all. So then there's the power of suggestion and cognitive dissonance. Most people kind of agree that, so I I looked up from a few different sources how many people believe in ghosts. Seems like the average in America is about 50% of people believe in them. And there's this idea that people who believe in ghosts see them more. And ghosts reveal themselves to people who already believe, etc. That's like a big thing when you're like watching paranormal sh- like investigator shows and stuff. They're like, well, if you don't believe, they're not going to show themselves. And th- if that's not the biggest cognitive dissonance, it's like that's that is so blatantly the power of suggestion. If you don't believe in it, you're not going to see it. And if you do believe in it, you're going to see it. Obviously, if you like. I am the type of person, if I hear a hallucination, whatever, I'm going to think, what is the scientific evidence that is leading to this? The ghost is going to be like the last thing on my mind out of all of the options. 
I'm more likely to say like, oh, it's just the pipes. The pipes make, like pipes regularly make weird sounds. Whereas a believer might jump to ghosts. And then people who are on the fence about believing, if they hear something, if they see something, whatever, they're likely to blame it on something specific so they have an answer rather than think about every possibility and go hunting for an answer that may or may not exist. Also, brains are dumb. Brains are, sure are awful and have so many things wrong with them. Even if you're very neurotypical, your brain still has a lot of stupid shit it does. And brains release dopamine when you're scared. And if you don't know much about neuro stuff, dopamine is your reward and punishment neurotransmitter. And we usually associate it with like a lot of like psychoactive drugs increase your dopamine, having happiness increase, like being happy, having, enjoying something usually means that there's more dopamine being released and your brains also release more dopamine when you're scared. So there's this thing happening where people are kind of equating that fear to excitement, which is why haunted houses are such a thing this time of year, which is why people pay obscene amounts of money to be scared. And if your brain releases more, you're like the reason why some people absolutely hate shit like that and some people love it. If your brain releases more dopamine when you're scared, you're more likely to connect it with enjoyment. And everybody's brain is different, obviously. Mm -hmm. And then another, just like humans being primed to find patterns and things. A big one is humans are obsessed with finding faces and things. We need to flick. We're, we're so face seeking. Anytime we see two dots in a curve, we're like, oh, it's a face. How cute. Even if it's like just like leaves on the sidewalk we are so primed to find faces and things and so much of people like proving that ghosts exist especially now in modern times when we have like cameras and stuff is people taking a picture of like a dark space and most of the time when you see them you're like i don't see shit <laughs> I, see, I just see a bunch of shapes and then they're like look at this exact spot and they'll circle this tiny corner and they're like look it's a face and it's like ah. i'm not gonna tell you it's not <laughs> but I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to say 100% it's definitely a face of a ghost either. So I have like miscellaneous questions kind of about ideas that I like tried to do more of a deep dive into. So the idea of cold spots, that's like a common thing with like haunted spaces. There's like areas that are much colder than others. And people have this idea that either it's the ghost there and the ghost is cold or something along those lines. So... I kind of have an if they're real and if they're not real answer <laughs> covering all my bases here. Sure. So if ghosts are real, the theory of why there's cold spots is that ghosts are energy. That's kind of the, it, whether you believe it's energy from a soul, energy from whatever you think that energy is from. Ghosts are energy concentrated into one specific place at a time um, and things that are energy require more energy to keep going and heat is a pretty easy accessible form of energy so if they're if they're drawing heat from around them to like fuel their energy the areas immediately immediately surrounding them would be cold this does break the second law of thermodynamics if they're not real drafts are a thing <laughs> like they're the way that shapes of rooms and architecture happens and windows and vents Sometimes there are cold spots in places. <laughs> That's the thing. And the power suggestion is very strong. I was really interested to try to figure out where the idea of like a sheet ghost comes from. Like putting a sheet over your head, cutting two holes in it. Why is that such a, an image that we think of in like modern times in media with ghosts? 
So what I could find is for a very long time, people used to get buried in burial shrouds, which look a lot like modern day sheets. Like they're white, they're flowy. They're not really form fitting and don't really look like a human shape necessarily. If you're just wearing a giant block of white fabric, kind of looks like a sheet ghost. Then apparently artists in like film, TV, etc. when film and TV started really like ramping up to be a thing and naturally people want to tell stories about spooky shit the special effects artists and the people like directing the movie and stuff were like we need to figure out a way to distinguish between a living person and a dead person in a movie because we want you to be able to understand who the characters are and so they had like people who are supposed to be ghosts in the movie wearing much older clothing because like People in 2019 aren't wearing Victorian clothing as much as much. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone has that one friend. But yeah, there was like a kind of a a purposeful thing that happened amongst the 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 pictures, the people working on the that kind of stuff to say how do we like let's take existing tropes of like people being buried in burial shrouds and then make that into a recognizable this is a ghost. So then there's the the big question. How does someone become a ghost? What is a ghost? How do you get there? Does everyone become one when they die or is it just specific people? There's a lot of answers there. Basically every answer that you could imagine is there. And a lot of them conflict and and stuff like that also. Yes, a lot of them Um, do. Um, A big one is unfinished business. Yeah, depending on like who you ask and like how religious they are and stuff like that. You know, that that is a, a big will color how they think about what an afterlife looks like, you know? Right. And if there is one at all. Unfinished business is a a big one. Pretty self-explanatory. There's also this idea of, like, avenging their death if they died in some sort of wrongful way. If someone murdered them or whatever, they're going to haunt the shit out of the person who murdered them. And that's kind of them making the choice to stay on our plane. And then they may or may not feel like they avenged it. So they may avenge it feel satisfied with that and then pass on or they may not ever feel like they accomplished that and then stick around forever so there's also this idea of not knowing they're dead or holding on to the mortal realm like sixth sense kind of thing they like fully think that they're just going through their normal lives but they just happen to also be dead people and some of us can tell some of us can't some of us can see them some of us can't that there's like so much happening with whether or not we can see them, who can see them too. There's also the idea that everybody becomes a ghost, but only some of the ghosts interact with us. Only some of them care enough to interact with us based on their own personal lives when they were alive. Then there's the thing that we kind of mentioned with vampires too, the improper burial. Ghosts will go to the afterlife when they're buried properly, which may or may not ever happen. Happens less with like plague victims and things like that, you know, plays times when mass graves needed to be right genocide victims stuff like that yeah there's this uh, this is one that i hear a lot more from people rather than like movies and stuff this still exists in movies but a lot of people i know who believe in ghosts specifically believe in them because they have some grandpa or some shit who died when they were a little kid and now their grandpa stays with them because like he has nothing better to do in the afterlife apparently to look to look after their loved ones and then in theory after all their loved ones die they will move on but so many people i know are like yeah my aunt died when i was a little kid and now i like see her when i'm sad or something i don't mean to sound so like have such a shitty attitude and like sound like such a disbeliever i realize in my tone that might be coming off that way (laughs) 
I don't mean, like, if you think that your aunt is visiting you, great, your aunt's visiting you. Um, and then the last one, which I don't really know how I feel about it, but the idea that ghosthood as a concept is hell, like you're being punished and have to live amongst us forever, yeah. or, or it's a purgatory type thing, yeah. but it's not heaven. Yeah. There's a, uh, a specific sect of Gnosticism that states that we all are living in literal hell ruled by the literal devil. <laughs> I mean, Which, yeah. I don't know that I disagree with that. Yep. Look at like, every, like out. just gesture to everything yeah. happening yeah. in the world. Yeah. Also, uh, my, my personal favorite thing about Judaism which, you know, has good and bad, just like every religion. My mm-hmm. favorite thing about Judaism, we are in the year of our Lord, 5780, as of a few weeks ago. That means we have had almost 6,000 years of being Jewish, and we do not have a consensus on whether or not we believe in heaven. We are sure there's no hell, but we are unclear if there's <laughs> heaven. After 6,000 fucking years of being a religion, yep. we still do not have a solid answer on the afterlife. <laughs> and that is so funny to me. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, animals becoming ghosts. Yeah. Definitely a thing. There's that happens in media, like Zero Nightmare Before Christmas, Frank and Weenie, those kinds of, that's a lot of Tim Burton in yeah. one sentence, but those kinds of things. And people, like, in haunted places, people regularly claim to see animals walking around, yeah. often cats. It's, it's often cats <laughs> or dogs, like, mostly cats. Sometimes. Yeah, so it's usually animals that humans have some sort of connection to, and less yeah. frequently, like, a mosquito, a Komodo yeah. dragon. And potentially because... My, my theory is because humans have a very weirdly specific idea of how intelligent an animal is before it has a soul or consciousness, and the idea of ghosts for a lot of people is, like, your soul living on somehow. Another question, do they stay in the clothes they died in forever? Some people believe that ghosts are showing themselves as they last remember themselves, not necessarily in the clothes they died in. Yeah. Which I think is sweet. Let them, like, show their best selves. Um, This is also very much perpetuated by media, because it's easier to have a character read as a ghost if they're wearing clothing that is, like, strange and old to us in modern times. If someone's wearing... If someone's dressed like Marie Antoinette and they're vaguely bluish-gray, it's much easier to read them as a ghost in a movie. Especially if they're translucent, but you know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um... But before the special effects existed. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't find much on the, like, why do they have a regular body up until the knees and then a weird tapered tail thing, other than maybe being connected to the burial shroud concept because, like, long burial shroud dresses cover your legs and just look flowy. I don't know if this is, like, accurate or not, so this is just me, like, guessing, but, like, the way that, like, old dissolve masking worked and stuff like that, uh, like, yeah. might have, like, when when you're representing ghosts on film, um, right. It might have been like easier to to just do yeah. it like halfway up the body right. or something. Um, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And then my last question: Where does boo come from? I did yeah. a whole deep dive into this. Yeah. This got me down a real long rabbit hole of like Latin origins and stuff. And like, if not boo, why are they seen wailing a lot? Yeah. Even if it's not like Bill, like a yeah. friendly, cute little Casper Bill, yeah. they're still like yeah. all the time. So the OED, which is considered, you know, the the gold standard for dictionaries, the OED, I don't know how much I agree with them, says that the word boo comes from... I rarely agree with the OED in how they frame things and stuff like that. So So they say that the word boo comes from the Latin word spelled B-O-A-R-E, boar, unclear, which means to cry or to shout in... 
the second thing they said in the Scots language, boo became a prefix to imply scariness. So they would put boo at the beginning of things like the boogeyman Mm -hmm. that comes from like the Scottish Celtic uh, origin and Celtic traditions are where a lot of our like modern Halloween celebrations come from. So it makes sense that other Celtic linguistic things would make our way, make their way into our collective knowledge of spooky stuff. But also possibly because this is my theory that I couldn't find anywhere. I just was like trying to figure out what I believe because the OED, I really couldn't find a ton other than like language origins. But I, my theory is language changes over time, obviously. So spirits who are from a time before modern languages existed, like modern English, for example, they may not be able to effectively communicate to us because they're speaking whatever language they spoke. So whatever they're saying just sounds like weird noises to us. And when people are like mocking another language, they usually just go like, you know, they just make sounds. So that's a, (laughs) that's my, a theory, not necessarily what I a hundred percent believe, but my theory. (laughs) And that is my ghost stuff, haunting stuff. Another thing that, that I found when it comes to how we think about the geography of haunted houses is that hauntings often happen in like the liminal spaces of a house. So like your attics, your basements. I mean, like this sounds obvious when you just say it out loud, right? right? But like... But it's interesting to think about like, why isn't it in the bathroom? You never see a ghost in the bathroom. I wouldn't say that that is entirely true. Cause like, you know, think about Bloody Mary and stuff like that, but yeah. Oh, you're Um, right, yeah. Yeah, like (laughs) often bathrooms are sort of uh, places of summoning rather than just like- You're right, them just existing, yeah. Like they're not on the toilet. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But also like stairwells, doorways, things like that. Yeah. You know how I feel about doorways. They're really I good. <laughs> the ways that ghosts interact with the spaces that they inhabit are very sort of like asymmetrical in some sort of way, you know? And partially that that comes out of a long history of media that are like, these are the spooky places. Like, you know, you do not go into the attic or the cellar unless you need to get something. Right. I've never had an attic. Yeah. So I don't. <laughs> yeah. I live in I, New York City. Yeah. We have one I, floor of our apartment. <laughs> I did uh, when I lived upstate, but yeah, that. My grandparents have an attic. I don't think I've ever been in it, though, now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, it is like a forgotten part of the house, right? Yeah. Like in some ways. And that dovetails cleanly, I think, into my spooky thing I did this week, which was I played Kitty Horror Show's Anatomy which is yeah. an excellent game about haunted houses, basically. Her whole sort of like thesis with it sort of is that all houses are haunted. And they're not, again, not haunted by anything. Right. They're haunted by virtue of their Themselves. existing. Yeah. yeah. It spends a lot of time in the beginning analogizing a house to a body and says like, if we think about rooms in a house... We can map them to organs in a body. The yeah. the living room is the heart, right? We might think of the bedroom as the conscious mind and the basement as the unconscious mind. The place mm, where we spend yeah. time to think in the space where we put stuff to forget. But then she goes on to say kind of, but we might, and this is like all the way in the beginning, so I'm not really spoiling anything, that metaphor becomes a bit tenuous at a point because the bedroom is also where we ask our house to keep us safe while we're the most vulnerable 
yeah. in some ways it is more like a mouth and we hope that it doesn't bite down on us while we sleep that's so spooky i love it yeah yeah it's super <laughs> it's super good that's dark um, yeah it's uh it's inexpensive i think it's like five dollars or something like that on itch.io there's a very good video essay by someone named jacob geller uh called control anatomy and the legacy of the haunted house which uh, people should check out if they're interested in, like, my favorite kind of haunted house, which, again, is the, right. the house that is not haunted by a ghost, but a, a house that is haunted by virtue of its, its own existence. And, yeah, Control is another very good example of this. It's another another game. A lot longer, a lot more expensive. I did not buy it. A friend bought it for me because I couldn't afford it when it came out, but was like, I need to play this game. Uh, so someone was nice enough to buy it for me. That deals with the relationship between people and spaces in, in some very, uh, very neat very literal ways so yeah uh cool. th those are my recommendations of things to check out if you want to get spooky with this spookiest time of year yeah i did a lot of spooky things this weekend and it's not over yet halloween is still a few days away but i went to a bunch of burlesque shows i went to one by d20 burlesque that was like demon themed there were a lot of good numbers there's a hellboy one a hellvey because the person's non-binary, and I love that. There was a, one from The Crucible. There was a Balrog number. Like, it was a good show. D20 Burlesque yeah. always does really good, nerdy, spooky things. Yeah, I don't know. Doing a bunch of spooky shit. It's Halloween. It's Halloween. But yeah, that was the, like, haunted things slash houses slash people episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll probably return to Ghost at some point because it's... yeah why do more about that yeah there's a lot um, of ghost stuff there's a lot of ghost stuff um yeah. art by anna lanson music by incompetech you can follow us on twitter at ttgb underscore podcast and on instagram at things that go bump podcast or you know email us ghost encounters and or experiences that you have at things that go bump podcast at gmail.com all right thanks for cool. listening everyone stay spooky. thanks for listening all right bye